0: Welcome to Fastening Truth, where godly men suit up for the front lines of the battlefield. I'm your host, David Miles. You ready? Here we go. And welcome back again to Fastening Truth, guys. Last week, we hit the fourth tactic in our Special Forces training. That tactic was visceral. Just like the name itself is unusual, so was our approach to the topic. If you missed last week, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode because not only is it something that's almost never talked about anymore, but it's at an angle and a approach that you've probably never even considered. But as we usually say, that was episode 23, and this is episode 24. So this week, we continue in our Special Forces training. We are now on tactic number five. Now, today's tactic is a little bit interesting in the sense that it's probably the most expected Probably the most obvious one that we would include on a list of episodes in a series on special forces, on tactics, on just godly living in general, which is the ultimate application of our series. So it's not surprising when I tell you what the tactic is, you'll not be surprised this one made the list. However, the approach that we're going to take is probably going to be a little bit different than what you would automatically go to as you consider the tactic itself. So without further ado, here we go. Tactic number five is volition. Now, the definition for volition is an act of making a choice or decision to use one's will. So that's two separate things there. An act of making a choice or decision, and another way of saying it, to use one's will. Okay, guys, now we tend to be very polarized when we consider what this means. Now, obviously at the very base of it, okay? your ability to make a decision, your ability to use your will, each and every single one of us is going to be using our will, making choices and decisions all day, every day. There's really no question about that. So first thing we're going to put off is in a scientific sense to say that you have no willpower is a completely bogus statement. But obviously that's also not what anybody really means when they say that. They don't say they lack all willpower. What they really are trying to say is that they lack the strength, the motivation, the willpower in that sense to make the better decisions, the big decisions, the important decisions are really the ones that require them to step up and to get out of their comfort zone, to do that thing that they know they're supposed to do when we hear that statement. But when we look at guys as a general rule, men, this is where the polarization comes because guys tend to be on one end or the other. You have a lot of guys that fall into more of the passive, not really wanting to do anything. Now, okay, when I say that, probably your first thought goes to the cat's potato, the 400-pound man sitting on the bed eating Cheetos and playing video games, all right? Okay, so that obviously has its own problems. But really, when we think about passivity, what we're really referring to here is people that Instead of making more of themselves, instead of focusing on giving and working and, and trying to improve either themselves, their family, their home, their job, their standing, there, there's really just this sense of, of a seeking out rest, seeking out entertainment, seeking out these other things when we look at that. Now, that is one group, probably the larger group of men that we will see with regard to this idea of volition. Now, the other end is going to be the people that are constantly going and pushing. These are our workaholics. These are the ones that are working all day, every day. A lot of, There are many of these, especially the ones that we consider in the higher end of this, that are working on many different fronts, tend to be our most successful in the, in the, uh, the world's definition of the term. They tend to get more done. They've gotten more things accomplished with their life. Their time is very well spent, very efficient. We see people pushing and driving and accomplishing many, many things, successful um, by a number different of metrics, a number of different ways of defining success. We see these men falling on that end. Okay, so one of them, again, the way that we've just chosen to phrase it, one appears void of willpower and one appears to be on overload. And we begin begin to ask ourselves, well, one of the questions that this day and age we would ask is why on earth would God make it? to where one particular group seems to have no willpower and the other seems to have all of it? Why Why is it concentrated in certain individuals and other individuals seem to have none? You know. And again, I say the way that the world would go at it today is to say, why would God not give me any and give him the, uh, enough for five people? Well, first of all, we're gonna kind of dispel all of that today. We're gonna talk about volition and what we're gonna realize when we begin to dive into this is that both of these have their problems. Both of them, in and of themselves, on their own, are actually wrong. And what we will see is why that is. And we'll find that the remedy for both is actually the same. Okay. So again, first of all, as we said, there is no such thing as a lack of willpower. What we mean when we say that is the person who lacks the desire to do the right thing, to do the thing that they should be doing. There's plenty of willpower. The willpower is simply being used to satisfy what is our ultimate goal. Okay, We'll get into that more in a little bit, but here is actually our critical verse for today that kind of really dives into this topic for us. It's in Philippians 2, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what Pleases him. Now that's New Living Translation. Many of you have heard this, probably doesn't even sound familiar in that form. You've probably heard more of a New American ESV, New King James Version, which is, it is God who is working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So the idea again here, no matter what version you take, no matter what style of translation, is that God is the one who's at work inside of you. He's the one who's actually causing you to both desire and to do, or in this case, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, what it is he wants you to do. Now, what's interesting when we look at this is that this verse actually gives us the solution for both camps. Now, it's a very obvious application for the passive man. The passive man gets the The interpretation and receives the promise of God that He's the one who gives you the desire and the power to get up and do what you're supposed to do. You don't want it right now. That's the problem. You don't really want what it is you're supposed to be doing. God takes care of that for you. On the other end, though, we see that we're supposed to be doing what God wants us to do. And and for all men, God gives that desire. So, first, well, actually, what we're going to look at first is that we need to understand something. Because it's not hard for me to convince you that the man who's passive, who's seeking his own pleasure, who's playing video games or watching movies or binging Netflix or doing these different things, that that guy needs to change something about his life. He's not making something of himself. I don't need to really tell you that. That individual, if you are one of them, you are fully aware of this. If you've seen the other people, they know it. It's not a matter of they don't know. It's simply a matter of they've come to a place where they're okay with that. And that's really the ultimate problem. But there's not a, in our society, we see that as problematic. Although we tend to accept it with men and we tend to just kind of say, well, you know, they're just boys And we talk about it in that sense where we've made it semi-acceptable. It's really not. Within the circles of men, if you're with other men, especially men who are motivated and are doing things, there is this sense of, because men tend to compare themselves whether they want to or not, And when we do that, we automatically know and we submit to the fact that the person who's motivated, who's going, who's moving, who's doing and accomplishing is the better person and is doing better. Now, I'm not here to challenge that per se, but what I do want to say is this, what we have to begin to understand is that both of these positions are natural positions, let me say that again, both of these positions come as part of the natural man. Now, men in general, be it personality, upbringing, the life they've lived, because you look at most of our super motivated individuals, something happened to drive them to that point. And all of us as men are motivated by some of the same driving forces. Okay, We are, driv- we are driven by lust and we are driven by power. Let me say that again. We are driven by lust and we are driven by power. Scripture goes into this. I'm not going to go into all those verses today, but I want to make this point. We are driven by lust and we are driven by power. Okay, so you may say, well, when I say lust, obviously you think of women. And we see that men, both passive and aggressive, if you want to call them that, Driven is what we'll say passive and driven both deal with the problem of lust for women. In fact, sometimes we would argue that the driven man seems to have to deal with it more because he's out there going and moving and doing, he's more of the alpha male, and that we just say that comes with the territory. Well, first of all, we don't need to ever accept that sin comes with the territory and is just excusable or acceptable. Under no circumstances is that ever okay, or is it ever what God has designed for man? Not going to be okay at any point in the game. But again, what we have to realize is that we are all equipped with the same tools and we all use them for similar ends. The difference is how does it look from the outside? How does it look in the eyes of our culture? So we've got the one man whose lust is maybe for women. Typically, I mean, all men tend to struggle with this. I do want to say at this moment that just because all men struggle with this, under no, as we said before, under no circumstances does the fact that most men struggle with something ever make it okay. All right, We are called to live above these things and to win out in righteousness over sin. This is part of the reason that we're talking about this being special forces. You're not settling for what the others around you have. You're not settling for these things. You are looking for something greater, something more that God has called you to that is going to equip you to better take on the enemy. So first of all, let's just throw that out the window. Now, that is something that all men have to face and deal with. Why? Because we are naturally hormonally driven to want and to crave not only physical affection, sexual uh, instincts and sexual desires that we are just flooded with. Part of it being for God's purpose in us for procreation, for marriage. We're all given these things. I mean, think about it. The same part of you that enjoys the physique And the appearance of your wife that finds her beautiful, sexy, wonderful. The same part of you that enjoys intimacy, sexual intercourse, these things that you have, those moments of intense pleasure that you have with your wife that are so sacred and so wonderful that is part you are desiring that so the very aspects of your biology and of your of your mind and of your emotions that are wrapped up in this bliss of the marital intimacy and in the marital bedroom those same things that are expressed godly and in a sanctified holy manner because god made it that way those things come and are enjoyable because of your biology because of your ability to experience these things so the, And those are the exact same faculties that when distorted and used in extramarital affairs, used in fornication, adultery, these kind of sense, or even in pornography or in masturbation and these things, when you go down these trails, you stimulate these same sensory pathways. But you're doing so illicitly. It creates similar feelings. It drives you. And so there's this hunger for these things. So we can't call the hunger for sex. We can't call the hunger for these kind of things. The, the, the looking upon women or looking upon a woman, which is the way God made it, your wife, with the longing, with the, 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 receiving the pleasure of seeing the beauty of your bride. These things God made. So we can't just say that those things in and of themselves are wrong. If you did not have those, you would not enjoy your wife. Okay, it's that simple. The problem is, is that we as a culture have been sold a bill of goods. We've been told that those things are designed to be enjoyed freely and openly. And we use that word freely as in to imply freedom, as in to imply there is no cost, which is so far from the truth. That when you settle for the counterfeit, when God has promised something beautiful and holy that satisfies you to a degree that I can't even begin to explain, when you begin to head down this path and you begin to substitute it with other things, things that God did not design, and your body was made by God for these purposes, if we begin to go down these other paths, you cheapen it to a degree that you can't even begin to understand. Okay, so that's the issue at hand is that we can falsify, we can illicitly satisfy these particular things that we have, but we cannot call them or condemn them in and of themselves because those desires are designed for our wife. They're not designed for others. We can't condemn the desires or we would not enjoy our wife. Now, I say all that to say this, men are driven by lust. For women, yes, that is a driving factor for men. It needs to be contained and sanctified in God to be directed towards the wife. And even that needs to be sanctified in a holy fashion. But we have other lusts that we deal with in our lives. The lusts that we deal with, the lust for power, and the lust of satisfying our flesh, the lust of satisfying what we want in a physical sense. And I'm not just talking about it. We always go to sex, but think about what you eat, what you drink, what you watch, the fact that you lay around. The laziness that a man experiences in the passivity is simply a lust for the pleasure of his body, of not working, not pressing, not you just giving in, letting the body rule, giving into the flesh, the lust for comfort. The lust for pleasure, these are the things that drive us to wasting our lives on video games and TV and these other things. And those are the driving factors. Now, other men may be driven by a lust for power or a lust for money or a lust for significance. There are other things that drive men. And in that power aspect that we're talking about. This is the reason why men are drawn to video games, why we're drawn to movies and things, because we long for that sense of power and authority that God created us for, that dominion that we were made for in the garden. And when we don't live it out in our lives, we will seek an alternative means. So so men... That seem to be so lazy. They tend to be those who seek to dominate in video games and in other avenues because, again, they're seeking for that same thing. How many of them people drive and spend countless hours a day playing and doing to become the best? Now, we condemn that as a society, as a general rule, because it's not a real accomplishment. But it's the same thing. There is a power quote. There is a status that is obtained and it's the same seeking. Someone else may do it in real estate, in business. Others may do it in a video game or in movies. But we're seeking the same things. Now, I bring all that up to say this. Our natural desires, even those who find ways to focus them more productively, the desires in and of themselves are sinful. The desires in and of themselves are going to guide us down the wrong path. One will give his entire life to work and to bettering his thing. But what is? what do we find a lot of times? He gets lost in the process because that hunger and that desire get distorted. He ends up sacrificing the very family that he's trying supposedly working for in the process. And the other one, while looking for comfort and looking for this place of rest and peace, ends up wasting away in finding a false one where he actually accomplishes nothing and and, and forsakes the responsibilities God has given him, which is actually what satisfies, and he does not live up to that full extension and will end up, by extension, will end up losing everything that God is trying to give him in the process. So in both cases, men tend to lose the things that are most important to them by being driven by these factors. This is where Philippians 2.13 comes into play. God is the one who gives you the desire and gives you the power to do what pleases him. He's the one who gives you what you need. In other words, you were designed to function and to accomplish and to do. But we left to our own are motivated by sinful desires and sinful purposes. Whereas when God steps into our lives and we embrace him and make him the center and the fulcrum, the crux of what we're doing, the most critical part of our lives, everything falls into balance. And now we begin to do things the right way because he's the one who gives us what we need. We are stewards. We are not the master. We are the stewards. So God is the, the, the really the godly volition. And this passage we see doesn't come from ourselves. When we say volition is our fifth tactic, we're talking about godly volition. We're talking about the using of this faculty in a godly sense. Okay, so what we find then is that you have to step up. I don't care what angle you're coming from. I don't care which end of the spectrum you're coming from. You cannot do it on your own and nothing that you accomplish in your own strength and in power can be justified as being righteous without God and without godly purposes. Again, I know as you're hearing me that the man who's done more, now let's let's get another thing straight, just right off the bat, okay? The slacker who's not taking care of his family is definitely further away from fulfilling his godly purpose than the man who is taking care of his family. The one who is out there making a difference or is establishing his family is closer. But what we have to look at is is that left to their own, we'll both miss it. We both need God. One needs God to get him up off of his butt, to get him up off of his out of his couch, out of his gaming set, and step up to really step in, press in, and be who God's called him to be. The other one needs to shift his priorities to begin to put God in the kingdom first. There's probably aspects of rest that he is foregoing because he's pursuing these goals. And so in one sense, he's abusing his body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a completely different set of problems, but they're driven by the fact that as men, we are naturally motivated by the wrong things in order to try to use the godly gifts that we've been given and so we have to look at this we have to understand what's going on so no matter what your problem okay no matter which side you're on the fundamental problem remains unaddressed you are doing what you are doing for your own reasons They may be completely different than the other person, but they are your own reasons. And no matter how noble you are, no matter how great your upbringing may have been, no matter your manners or the level of gentleman that you are, it doesn't matter because you still suffer from the human condition. In Mark 7, 20 through 23, it says this, and then Jesus added, he said, it is what comes from inside you that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So guys, it's not about we have to recognize our condition. Some of us look better in society's eyes. Some of us don't. But it doesn't matter before God, we are all desperately wicked and in need of salvation. We have to come to Him. I don't care if you're the CEO of a company, or I don't care if you're 40 and living in your mom's basement. It doesn't matter which end you're on, you need Jesus. You need him to step in and to rescue you from your condition as a man. Now I'm obviously this is a men's podcast and we're speaking to men. There are issues that women deal with in the same fashion, in the same way. And I'm sure there's a woman's podcast. I hope there's one out there that deals with this issue. Because it's not just men that have this problem. Women are also motivated by the wrong causes. Women tend to be led by emotions. Women tend to follow after that. Men are actually supposed to help bring balance to that in the relationship. We cannot be led by our emotions, men. We cannot be guided by our heart. We live in a world that says, follow your heart, do what your heart says. As men, we don't apply that as literally as women tend to do, but we still live in a culture that says to do that. The women that says, you know, you love who you love. You know, the heart wants what it wants. We have this idea of following after whatever our emotions are saying, and it's tried to come over into men as well. It's not made quite the entrance, but it's still there. We cannot be driven or guided by our emotions, for we are the men. Now, women have, a, a, like I said, more of a tendency to that side, but we cannot be. Because let me tell you something. This idea, all right, when a man, quote, follows his heart, like we said, it, it just the, the idea of that sounds like something right out of the Frozen movie, okay? We know that, all right? but men still do it. We still follow after our emotions in our heart. It just looks different. Okay. It's not this whimsical ballet fairy tale that all of us would stay a million miles away from. Okay. When a man follows his heart, we're talking about his lusts. We're talking about the parts of him, the things that he desires. All right. Women have a different set of desires than we do, but we follow after ours we either pursue pleasure or power as we said so we still cannot be guided by this the human nature remains our core problem and the bible says that the heart is desperately wicked you it's you who know who can know it the idea is there is that it's so wicked you can't trust it you know that it's going to do the wrong thing it's kind of like the habitual liar or the repeat offender there cannot be any trust placed in this thing it has to be changed Before there can ever be anything. And we can't do that. All right. So let's hone this down. Let's kind of bring this in a little bit. All right. What I have to say to the passive men out there that are listening to me. You have got to get up. You have got to get after it. You know some of the things you're supposed to be doing. All right. You know the responsibilities that you're foregoing. You know the things that you're not fulfilling. That you're not doing as a husband, a father, a son, a brother. You know the thing. Just as a man. You know the things you're not doing. All right. Now, I want you to look at this and realize that some of those things, some of those goals or passions or things that you have set before you that you're supposed to do, some of those you may not be. Because again, you're not seeking after what the world says a man should be. You're seeking after what God says you should be. All right. So there's going to be some differences. So get into the Bible and see who you're supposed to be. How do you be a biblical man? How do you be the the biblical head of your home? How do you be the biblical father that you need to be? These are going to look different than what we call successful men in this world. Because honestly, we look at successful men and they're, they have tons of money. They drive whatever car they want. They sleep with all kinds of women. And their lives, if we were to look deeper, are absolute wrecks as they drink and socialize and do all these quote manly things that are not manly at all. Jesus was the epitome of manliness. We will in a future episode discuss that at length. But just to know, He is our example. And I challenge you that if you You look at every aspect of what makes a man a man. Jesus fulfilled all of it and to the point that it it puts us to shame to try to compare ourselves to the kind of man that he was, okay? So you have to get up and get after it. You have a calling of God on your life. There are other people in your life that are less than they could be and should be because of your laziness and your lack, your slack, your passive state that you've been living in. You have been hurting those around you because God placed you in a position of leadership, a position of authority, a position of headship, so that when you don't take that place, it throws everything out of order. Everything is now running against the way that it's supposed to, and now everything is broken, and you are to blame for that, okay? So you have to understand you are called to step up, and your family Is suffering and they are not as they should be because you have not stepped up to be who God's called you to be in that thing. You're going to have to answer to God one day. Okay, the biblical headship that God has given you is not something that you can turn in. It's not something that you can forego. You can't pass on it. You can't deny it. It's yours, and you will have to answer to God one day. And you, there is no excuse you can give for your behavior. Okay, now that's pretty rough, but that's what you need to hear. Okay, you. I have to overcome this. Now, what is the problem? Well, the problem to begin with is that your, your desire to do the right thing is not strong enough. It's not strong enough to overcome your desire to not do them. Well, the good news is we're relying on God. Okay, so first of all, confess your sins, make things right. Turn to him because he's the one who said he'll give you that desire and the power. He will not only put the desire in you to do it, he'll help you to do it. Now, the first thing you need to do is be honest with yourself. Okay, there's no point in acting extra spiritual. You don't get super Christian status. It means nothing. In fact, God usually shies away from that. That's more along the vomit you out of my mouth side of things because he doesn't like that. All right, that whole idea of a higher category. We are all, each of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all done that, okay? But you have to be honest with yourself. You have to look yourself dead in the mirror. You've got to look at your condition, look at where you failed, and you have to own it. And then, once you've owned it and you've reached that point of a desperation at how terrible things are, realize that God is calling you to give it all to Him and He's going to turn it around for you. It's not hopeless. It's just desperate. And now it's time to turn to God so He can fix it. That's what He's called you to do. So you have got to step up give it to him and step in. All right, now we turn to the driven man. As we said, society approves of what you're doing. Society approves of the way that you live. More than likely, your family approves of it. Your co-workers, your friends, all those around you probably look at what you do and are either intimidated, belittled, or are just impressed and respect highly the person that you are. It's possible. But chances are your family is also distraught. There's also a very good chance that you are in a marriage that is probably to the point where it's about to be broken and you have no idea why because you've been driving and pushing and accomplishing and building and your wife may not even be able to put her finger on it. Your kids may not even be able to tell you why but something's off. Something's broken. There is something missing and it's because we as men are driven. When we're driven, we tend to give that into the wrong areas. We drive and we push for the material and the physical. We pursue this worldly sense of success. And even if you have focused on your family, you are still not where God has called you to be. Think about it. Look deep into why you do what you do. Are you doing it because God told you to? Are you doing it to glorify God? Or is there some sort of a satisfaction that you get? Is it, it, does it ultimately turn around to yourself? You do it because it makes you feel good. You do it because this is the kind of person you want to be seen as. You do it because of what kind of legacy or what kind of image that it builds for you. You have to be honest. You've got to look at yourself. Because let's be honest, no matter how driven you may be, it's ultimately self-centered. And it is not God-centered as it's supposed to be. So no matter how noble the causes are that you fight for, there's a pride that takes over and it will ultimately ruin everything. And the worst part is you can go decades into this before you realize it's a problem. And when you get there, you won't even know what went wrong because you did everything right. And you were praised in the eyes of the world. You look just like you were supposed to look and now everything is in shambles and you have no idea why. This is where the passive man has the benefit over you. He knows from day one that he's, that he's not right. He knows from day one what he's doing is not going to work. You, on the other hand, have to be convinced. You have to begin to see your condition, your bankrupt corruptness on the inside, as righteousness is not your primary goal. It's not what's driving you or pushing you, but success and power and your lust for whatever that thing is you're pursuing. These are the problems, these are your motivations, and they will corrupt to the core. Oh, you may look good for a while, and it may not even cause problems for a while because you're halfway doing what you're supposed to do. You're meeting certain things, and because God designed the world to run that way, it's halfway working. But let's be honest you know, you can put even in an engine that can't run off of E85, you can put extra amounts of the wrong kind of things in your fuel. And it will run for a while and you won't even know it, but eventually it will destroy the engine. It's the same problem here. You cannot corrupt it to that degree without expecting everything to fall apart one day. Look at the number of CEOs, people who've built multi-billion or trillion dollar industries who have committed suicide. Look, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's look at families. Okay. I don't mean to call people out, but look at, look at major leaders who's marriages are in shambles and everything is broken apart there is no family to speak for because everything else was sacrificed on the altar of success and maybe you've not had the opportunity to make millions of dollars maybe your success comes in other fashions and other points but where are you putting your time where does all your energy and effort go into does it go into your wife does it go into her spiritual vitality is, are you working to make sure that she is becoming the woman of God that God has called her to be? You'll have to answer for her spiritual condition. What about your children? How are they doing? Have you nurtured them? Have you trained them up in the word of God? These are the things that you'll have to answer for one day. You may have them completely set. You may have mutual funds and, and things and stuff set aside to make sure that they're taken care of and their college is paid for. But if they're bankrupt morally, and spiritually heading into this life, they're you're they're gone. They can't walk out into this world. There's no moral code that anyone even goes by anymore. You cannot do that. So you also need to seek God. Because you are gonna be you are on a war path. Whether you realize it or not, when you're self-centered, you're gonna lose yourself in it and you're gonna drive yourself right off a cliff or into the side of a mountain. Get it right. Make God the sinner or it's going to blow up in your face sooner or later. You need God. You need to have all that you're doing be sanctified so that it's coming across in righteousness and pursuing the right things. So let him be the cause. Let him be your desire and the power that you're doing it. Channel your driven nature to seek him above all things. Him and his righteousness and everything else is going to be added. So ultimately, guys, what does it come down to? it comes down to you. God is a gentleman and he will not force himself on you. He is offering you everything you need, even the desire and the power, but ultimately you have to make the decision. You have to activate your own will. You have to do it. And what it all comes down to is volition. Okay. God created each of us with volition. The fact that it is naturally contaminated and flawed does not deny the fact that God put it there to be used. It doesn't change it that God had a original design and purpose for this. Okay? Just like everything else that God has given you, it can be corrupted by our nature and used the wrong way, but it doesn't change the fact that God put it there and it needs to be used correctly. All right. So let me just tell you something right now. Let's I'm going to give you an example, a biblical example to look at for what you have to do as the head of your home and as the man of your house. We look at the book of Joshua towards the end of the book. They've already conquered the entire land of Israel. They've driven out most. Now, they didn't do it perfectly. You can read the story yourself. They left people there, and it turns out to be a huge problem later because they didn't fully obey God. But Joshua did his part. He led the people. He led them in battle, and they conquered the land and took what was to be Israel. Now, at the end of all this, He ends up and he stands up and he gives a speech. And he tells him, he says, you all are going to be faced with some trials. You all are going to be looking around and see other people. You're going to see the way that this world does things. You're going to see the way that they want to sacrifice and who they want to worship. You're going to see the way that the value systems they have in place and what they call success and what they call worship and what they call all these other things. And it's going to be tantalizing. It's going to be tempting to go to. You're going to be tempted by these pagan nations. You are not. You are the people of Israel but you have a decision to make. He said and then his final words, the words that you most comment that you've heard before or if nothing else you've seen it on a plaque in hobby lobby is when Joshua says to them now you are, have a choice before you today. Will you follow these other nations and will you serve their gods? But only you can decide. And then he says in the famous verse, choose you this day whom you will serve. Be it God or be it the gods of the Canaanites. And then he says this famous phrase, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is volition, guys. This is when you step up and you make that decision. I don't care what's going on. You have to make the decision. Now, guess what, guys? Those decisions aren't always those big lofty decisions. In fact, many of them are built up by the little ones. What time did you wake up? What did you do when you first woke up? What time did you go to bed? What were you doing before you went to bed? Have you read? Have you done these things? Have you taken these little steps that are going to ultimately make you successful in your journey? You cannot be a success if you're wasting time. If you spend two hours a day on video games, but yet don't have enough time to take care of these other issues, you have no excuse. Don't, act, don't tell me you don't have time. I used to say that. I used to say it all the time. I didn't have time for this, time for that. I'm very grateful to have a loving wife who helped to guide me into the fact of helping me to see very lovingly where I was wasting time. and began to realize I could do so much more than what I was doing. And by God's grace, I'm still growing and have very far to go. But the point is the same as for you. There's time there. How are you managing it? What are you doing with it? And for those of you that are driven, where are you putting that time? How much of the time that you have in the house is devoted towards work when you're at home and there's a responsibility in your home that far outweighs anything work has to give you? What are you doing? Are you forsaking your family for the job? Are you neglecting your most important job for the other job just because it pays the bills? We have to be looking at this. We have to understand this and we have to give it. God has given you a will. Just as he gave you a mind and emotions, he gave you willpower. He gave you volition, and you have to use it. It is your tool to use. That is the one thing that God will not violate, is your volition. He will not come in and make you do it. He'll give you everything. He'll give you the desire and the power to do it. Even the ability, he'll bring you right to the doorstep where all you have to do is say yes. But you must take that decision. You must step up and make that choice. And that is what God has called you to do. And you have to do it. So I don't care what excuses you're using. I don't care what you're saying. There's more for you to be doing. But make sure you're focused on God and putting him first. Don't get lost. For the passive man, don't get lost in the rat race, in the war path. God is the point. Don't overshoot and driven men, don't fall into passivity. Don't fall off. Listen, we're got, we're driving down the road here and Satan is more than happy to drive us off either side of the road into whichever ditch will get us off track and completely useless to the kingdom of God. Do not overcorrect. As you do when you're driving, do not overcorrect. Don't fly off the deep end on the other side trying to correct for the errors on one. Let God be your center. Let God be your guide, okay? No matter who you are, Or how you are wired. God has called you to godly volition. So let him mold you. And get after it. Because let's be honest. At the end of the day. Satan can do whatever he wants. With someone who's not motivated. And who's not doing the right things. He wants you to be obsessed with work. Or with rest. Because either way. You're out of touch. You're not looking for him. And he can do whatever he wants. Because you are preoccupied and distracted. With the other things. But when you get your volition in check, now all of a sudden you're doing things that defend your family. You're doing things in the order of God and it's providing strength and stability. This makes the enemy attacking you much more difficult because now you're doing things the right way. And in fact, what you'll find is that you'll be more on a high alert. You'll actually be able to walk in what we've been learning about in the special forces because you're going to make the decision to do the things we talked about. Honestly, arguably, we could have probably put this tactic as tactic number one to recognize you got to step up and do these things. To, I'll be honest with you. This tactic is actually an even additional tactic. I told you guys I had already made it up to six total. This is the num- the seventh one that got added in that I was praying about. It's, so we now we have seven total. I'll just go ahead and brief you with that one. This one probably should have been first. We needed to talk about what we talked about, but we cannot avoid the fact that we have to step up and make these decisions. I'm actually glad it's not first because we don't want to make this about going things the normal way and about you working harder and trying harder. God has to be the center, but we could not leave this tactic off because this is where the enemy comes in and just wrecks us because we get it wrong in one way or the other without even realizing it's going on. So guys, a little bit longer episode today, but definitely very important. We have to make sure we're doing all this stuff and doing it right. You know, every man is going to struggle with this and everything we've talked about every day of his life. We're, God is not looking for perfection. That is our goal. But God knows that we're human, and his goal is for us to pursue perfection and to go after it and never settle for less. But God will work with us in our insecurities. He'll work with us with our inferiorities and our, our flaws and our problems as we try to get there, and he's going to turn us into the special forces that he needs us to be. So do not give up. Hang in there. Dig in, dig deep, and keep pressing. Hope you guys have a great week. You can do this. You, your family, your wife, the body of Christ, they're counting on you. Let God get a hold of you. Give him your volition and let him transform you into the legendary warrior for his kingdom that he's called you to be. God bless. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Fastening Truth. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, many are called, but few are chosen. We'll see you next time.